0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, January 7th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 7, the second full paragraph, which begins, It Relieved Me Somewhat. Today's readers are Edith on the Twelve Steps, Santa on the Twelve Traditions, and reading the text are Larry, Marita, Marjorie, and Paula. The reference number for yesterday, January 6th, Monday, is 5729.
1: except when to do so were injured them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Paths.
0: Thank you, Edith. I will now ask Santa to read the 12 traditions.
2: Good morning. Santa from New Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, lend the OA name, to any related facility or outside enterprise less money of best problems of money property prestige and divert and prestige divert us from our primary purpose 7 every oa group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions 8 Hence, the OA name will never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction, not promotion. We always, we need, always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principle before personalities pass.
0: Thank you, Santa.
2: How our meeting
0: works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read, This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book On page seven, the second full paragraph, which begins, It Relieved Me. Um, Let's see. I will ask Larry to begin reading today.
3: Good morning, uh, Kathy. Thank you for your service. This is Larry, a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. It relieved me somewhat to learn that in alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor, though it often remains strong in other respects. My incredible behavior in the face of of a desperate desire to stop was explained. Understanding myself now, I fared forth in high hope. For three or four months, the goose hung high. I went to town regularly and even made a little money. Surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. Oh, uh, this uh this speaks to me definitely um you know I'll start with the first part. It relieved me somewhat to learn that in alcoholics the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor, though it often remains strong in other respects. you know that's indeed was the case for me um, This brings me back to to thinking I don't know what pops into my head was when I was going through um through you know education and I was day after day researching and writing, and boy, was I a disciplined person. You know, if you would have saw me at that computer for hours at a time, you know, I can research and write and, and collaborate with, with other people, and I did this for the better part of seven years, um, uh, for, uh, and, uh, and, but in the midst of that. So, you know, if you were to look at me, you know, in other respects, you know, I was a dad. I was, I was, uh, I showed up to work every day. I even, can you imagine, counseled other people, you know, many of them, you know, combating their own addictions. And yet, when it came to, uh, compulsive overeating, I didn't know it at the time. You know, perhaps I did to some degree, but I had no control whatsoever. Day after day, I can remember Bags, and when I say bags of bagels, in particular, that was my thing. You know, a cellophane bag, bakery boxes, and I'm not talking one or two. I'm talking a dozen each day. You know, in short order, I would put that that food away, and uh, you know, with with crumbs and stuff, you know, on my keyboard and all around my computer. Picture, you know, what that might be like. I can remember. You know, I don't regret the past. I don't wish to shut the door on it like it says, but I, I do remember, and I need to remember those things. And, and I did have tremendous discipline as I mentioned during that time. Um, you know, my incredible behavior in the face of a desperate desire to stop was, was explained. You know, finally when I came into program, I didn't want to necessarily hear it. I wasn't prepared to hear the message right away, but it was explained that, you know, I have an allergy of the body and I have an obsession of the mind. You know, when I ingest those foods. It starts uh, that, whole, that whole allergy of the body. And, uh, but the far greater aspect of the disease I was taught was the obsession of the mind. And that's what kept me going back day after day in the midst of having tremendous discipline. You know, and so I, I did fare forth in, in high hope, as it says here. And, um, and the goose did hung high. You know, it, it, uh, for me, it, it was a time of excitement and, and, uh, and all kinds of things and yet misery. Can you imagine at the same time, you know, that I was somehow broken and yet I was whole at the same time. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't get my, wrap my brain around self-knowledge. You know, I could read self-help books. Maybe you can relate. I could read, you know, different things. And I would search just desperate, desperate, just searching for whatever I can so that that knowledge would, would somehow give me the sprinkle pixie dust on me. So I would experience that, that I could eventually put the, the food down. It never happened. It never happened for me until I had a spiritual awakening by working uh, the steps, you know, as they laid out in the first 164 pages of the big book. And um, so, um, you know, self-knowledge, and I had to go and get beat up like Bill did for, for a good long while, you know, before, uh, before you know, uh, recovery began to come to me. and uh, And I... Smash the ego. I didn't do it. God did it for me. And it's made all the difference. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Larry. Who would like to share on this paragraph?
4: Lauren S. from Pittsburgh.
0: Go ahead, Lauren.
4: Thank Thank you. Hi, I'm Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a recovered compulsive reader. So here in this paragraph, I have written in the goose hung high, meaning prospects were good. I also have written the last sentence, surely this answer, can self-knowledge fix me? And I like to read these paragraphs and substitute the word are and me for, for my name, Lauren, to really personalize it. And I like to, to make the statements the questions. That's what I do. I turn statements into questions. So was my was Lauren's will weakened when it came to these binge foods? Even though my will was strong in other ways? Was my behavior incredible in the face of a desperate desire to stop? Did I at times go forth in high hope and believe that my prospects were good? Although it did Did I believe, did Lauren believe self-knowledge could work? So, yes, 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 yes. Um, And, uh, again, I was told that people say, you know, you don't have a strong enough will to just put the food down. But what I've learned is I have an incredibly strong self-will. When it comes to normal people. My will is so strong. As we'll read on. In the the following pages. That it will lead me. To insanity. Being locked up. In prison. To death. Or to having to accept. A spiritual solution. And if I was a normal person. Those would not be my options. For life. (laughs) So. Thank you. I will pass.
0: Thank you, Lauren. Who else would like to share? Well, this is Kathy. I'll take a turn.
5: Leanne. Hi, is Kathy in Canada.
0: Oh, okay. I heard um, Kathy in Canada and Leanne, was it?
6: Yeah, Leanne.
0: Okay. Leanne, go ahead, and then Kathy.
6: Hi, Hi Leanne. I'm recovering, recovered compulsive overeater. Um When you talked about the six months, it reminds me of how I had twice in my life a six-month period where I ate like a normal person where somehow I was not eating in between and I was eating the meals and I wasn't, it was just complete amazement. And those two times is what kept me out of recovery for so long or what kept me from believing that I really had to have discipline around my food and where I really had to find out trigger foods and big binge foods and really work the program because I kept it in my mind, like, well, look, I did it for six months. I know I can do it again. I know I can do it. And that lie and the remembrance of doing it just kept me in such denial. And each time, though, the thing that I didn't remember was each time after those periods of control, I went so far down, you know, and I didn't know that until I read that line in the big book. Each period of control was always followed by a period of even more or less control, of less control. And that's exactly the pattern that it had. And I could never again string together that amount of time. And one of the times where it was the six-month period was right before I was married. So, of course, the goose was hanging high at that time. I was all excited and, you know, my mind was kind of, focused on, you know, preparation and all of that, that it seemed like, well, look, I'm completely normal, but I remember the honeymoon, I remember the honeymoon, they served us this six-course thing, this six-course dinner, and I remember taking that first bite back then, you know, that first compulsive, out of control, I really don't want to eat this, but here I go, bite. After that, oh my gosh, my first year of marriage was just like what the book says. Such, oh, it was such, it was just hell because I went so far down after that six-month period. And um, I like the way these things are brought to my memory. It's so important for me to remember where I came from. It's so important for me to have a real healthy respect and fear of my disease and to keep it very green, so... Thanks for letting me share. pass.
0: Thank
7: you, Leanne. Kathy? Hi, this is Kathy in Canada, a compulsive overeater. It relieved me somewhat to learn that in alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor. Um, Will The will is part of my mind and um, it has relieved me to find out that I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. Um, You know, Just like the previous caller said, that you know, for the goose hung high for many months, many times over and over. You know, I tried to control the food with uh, self-knowledge that um, I knew what some of my binge foods were, but I could do it this in my own strength, not realizing that I had a mental where my mind would tell me to, oh, it won't hurt you this time. Just pick it up, pick it up. And um, it it relieved me that um, I know that there's other people like me. That um, have that weak weakness in our will when it comes to compulsive overeating. That uh, we we can be strong in many areas of our life, but when it comes to that first spike bite, um, I need the help of a higher power. I need the help of a higher power in every area of my life. But this one weak link that really takes me back to that first spike, I can't do it in my own strength. I am powerless, and I I will pass. Thank you.
5: Thank you,
0: Kathy. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Uh, This is Kathy Kay and I'd like to take a turn. Um, This is Debbie. Okay, Debbie and who else did I hear? Jason. Jason, okay. I'm going to go first and then Debbie and then Jason. Thank you. Um, My name is Kathy Kaye and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I would like to uh, chime in on uh, self-knowledge. When I came to the 12-step rooms, um, I was uh, 42 years old, had a very successful career, a family. Um, From the outside, everything looked good. Um, From the inside, I lived 90% of my waking hours in anxiety or depression and I had been in therapy several times and had a lot of hope that if I continued to deepen my self knowledge I would feel better and uh it wasn't until the towards the end of all that personal work um that I began to see uh, symptoms of my disease in my food behavior. Um, and I even brought that to therapy, uh, and thank God my therapist recommended Overeaters synonymous to me at that point. But for many years, um, I didn't see it. I read diet books. Um, I went on diets. I lost weight. Um, but then uh, it gradually creeped back on, and surely the mental obsession never really left me. Um, and so uh, this is quite an awakening, and it was for me uh, to learn early on that um, self-knowledge was good, but it was surely not sufficient. And with that, I pass. Debbie? Debbie? Debbie. This is Debbie. Go ahead. <clears throat> Hi, this is Debbie, uh, recovered in Montana. Uh, yeah, this just is an r- extreme example to me of self-will and God's will, um, because when I start thinking that I've got it, that's when I'm in the biggest trouble. And when I know that I need to depend on my higher power for every breath, then um I can have a spiritual reprieve that will keep me out of the food.
8: That's all I have. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Debbie. Jason?
8: Um, Hi. Can can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can.
8: Okay. That part where he talks about the, uh, in alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor. For me, I used to think, uh, all the time, you know, if I can't control the most basic thing in life, you know, that is what I put in my mouth, how can I control anything in life? And I really did find it, uh, it, it was a real revelation when I first started uh, coming into OA rooms and specifically the uh, uh, this particular call to hear people refer um, often to the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind as an explanation. And it took me... Weeks and months of hearing that to actually begin to believe it, and and to slowly put that original question that I uh, that I had had for so long away. I mean, if, if I can't control the most basic thing in life, how can I control anything else? And that's I've, I've had some some relief from that in my own recovery. Um, the other the other part was the um, uh, the self knowledge. I just finished my, my fourth and fifth steps recently, and uh, my own sponsor uh, very wisely had had noted that I was uh, spending a lot of time or trying to spend a lot of time in my fourth step, and I find that, um, that in my own case, that the self-knowledge, it doesn't really do me any good. It sort of promotes this downward spiral of self-interest where I just get wound up inside of myself by trying to know more about myself. Um, and that's all I have. Thanks for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Jason. Let's move on to the next paragraph. Marita, could you read that for us?
2: Yes, good morning, Vision, for you. This is Marita, a uh, recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. But it was not, for the frightful day came when I drank once more. The curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. After a time, I returned to the hospital. This was the finish, the curtain, it seemed to me. My weary and despairing wife was informed that it would all end with heart failure during delirium tremens, or I would develop a wet brain, perhaps within a year. She would soon have to give me over to the undertaker or the asylum. Oh wow, this is a bleak paragraph, um, but it's really good information, and it makes me think of uh, of one of the slogans that I've heard in the rooms of um, with AA that uh, you're either locked up, boxed up, or sobered up. So right now, Bill only knows about the two alternatives: being boxed up by the undertaker, or locked up in an asylum. And uh, so he had overheard the doctor talking with Lois out in the hall, and he knows that it's curtains. He says it here, the curtain, it seemed to me. So um, this is a really scary place to be, looking at death in the face and uh, knowing that there's nothing I can do about it. Bill is expressing this terror of you know being stuck we we are hopeless inside this situation and it will torture us and then we will die um it's an ugly experience but this is what we face and what we need to face before um before we can get to a place where we're willing to do the work to find the solution where we're willing to ask for God to ask God to help us. And um, I'm, you know, this isn't a scary movie, man. This is real life. And I have to I have to say that uh, nobody wants to stand in it, but it's the best place for us to be um, at the beginning of this journey. Thanks so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank
0: you, Marita. Who else would like to share on this paragraph?
2: This is Sally. Go ahead, Sally. Thank you. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. And so, what we see here when he uses these words, this was the fine, the finish, the curtain. It seemed to me, and it looks like he's reached bottom, but we know he hasn't. It looks like bottom. And I know we all have an idea of what our own bottoms look like. But like Bill, I had many, many bottoms. I had many, many times where I thought, this is it. I'm done. And I can see very clearly from the top of the page to the bottom of the page, over and over. They've used the word explained twice. He talked about this doctor that he met. Him. I met a kind doctor who explained. He comes down to the next paragraph and again use, uses the word uh, my incredible behavior in the face of a desperate desire to stop was explained and again he brings it to another level that surely this was the answer self-knowledge but he sees very clearly now in this paragraph that that it was just very important information that all of us had at one time we had we may not have had this clarity of explanation or self-knowledge, that we had this allergy of the body and and obsession of the mind. I didn't have that explanation for years. I thought it was some kind of a, a miraculous uh, experience from going to three meetings a week. It was all about the tools for over 30 years, three meetings a week, three phone calls a day, um, three meals a day, three measured meals a day. It was all about this miraculous uh, like voodoo experience for me of threes. And, and it worked. I had periods of white-knuckling abstinent behavior, which is what we see here for Bill. We see here he's got, he says he had three or four months the goose hung high. So he had a period of abstinence. And this page makes clear that it's not enough. It's simply not enough. Something else has to enter the picture. He goes on to say here in this paragraph, the curve of my declining morale and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. He he must have been feeling like, finally, I've got a solution. He thought he had a solution, but he didn't. And here he is back in the soup, back in his addiction, and all of us know what that looks like to think, oh, thank God. Finally, I'm abstinent, and then fall back into our addiction. I did it myself over and over, even after I found a strong meeting, a strong phone meeting, even after I had had many different sponsors who were fabulous sponsors. It wasn't going to be the solution. The, The solution was not a meeting. The solution was not a sponsor, and the solution... The ultimate solution was not in just putting the drink or the the substance down. And we're going to see now in these next two pages, he's setting us up to understand it has to take something more. My weary and despairing wife was informed that it would all end with heart failure during delirium tremens, or I would develop a wet brain perhaps within a year. So here we see him again devolving on the bottom of page 7. And we know that by the bottom of page 8, It is going to be a turning point for this man. The first eight pages of the chapter are all about him devolving. And this is for seeing him reaching bottom, but he has not reached bottom. This is his second hospitalization at the bottom of the page. We know there is yet to be a third. With that, I share. With that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sally. Who else would like to share on this paragraph?
2: This is Paula.
0: Leah. Okay, Paula and then Leah. Thank you. Go ahead, Paula.
9: Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Over Eater. Now I'm just going to back up just a tad bit. And, you know, we can all nod our heads here. Surely this was the answer. Self-knowledge. Yep, got it now. Now I know. Now I know. And then we move on. And here we can also nod our head. But it was not. It was not. For the frightful day came when I drank once more. You know, you notice it doesn't say why, when, where, because can I tell you? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the whys, the whins, the where, the excuses I gave. The curve of my declining, now there it is, that curve going to a downward trend of my declining moral, the truth. He couldn't know the truth from a lie. He didn't know the lie from the truth. And bodily health fell off like a ski jump, rather extreme. But then this disease, it doesn't, there's no halfway. In the beginning, there's a little bit. Oh, yeah, well, this time I'll do, no, a ski jump. What a description. Watch them in the Olympics. I am amazed at how high they go to go so far down. Amazing picture Bill paints again for us. Thank you for allowing me to
10: share with that. I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula.
10: Leah, your turn. Thank you so much, Kathy, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. But it was not for the frightful day came when I drank once more. I mean, obviously, Bill thought that uh, self-knowledge was the answer. You know, my book teaches me that I am absolutely unable to stop compulsively overeating on the basis of self-knowledge. And I learned this the hard way. You know, I spent... Uh, years sitting on a therapist's couch, uh, reading self-help books, um, visiting a variety of uh, psychiatrists and therapists, trying to understand uh, about the illness of addiction and understanding eating disorders and how did I get to be one. Um, You know what I found out? I found out that I don't have time to figure out how I got to be a compulsive overeater because this is not about medical science, and this is not about psychology. This is not about some Freudian concepts that uh, these psychiatrists could uh, weave for me through my history because I didn't have time to figure out uh, how I got to be a compulsive overeater because the chances were becoming very clear that I was going to die during the investigation, (laughs) you know, uh, through enough beating and enough suffering. I could not stop on the basis of self-knowledge. You know, I'm, I'm a fairly bright person. I'm not stupid. I have a decent memory. But for some strange reason, left to my own devices and left to my own intellect and to, left to my own logic and my own reason and my own resources, I can't remember what compulsive overeating does to me. I can't remember that it beats the crap out of me. All I can think about is what it's going to do for me. You know, and this disease kept beating the crap right out of me because everything I threw at the obsession of the mind beat me to a pulp. No matter what I threw at it, psychiatrists, pills, drugs of all sorts, uh, you know, therapists, self-help books, other remedies, other methods, you know, that mental obsession, that strange mental twist, that peculiar way of thinking about food that is different from normal people, every single time that mental twist would win out, just like (laughs) Bill is learning here. You know, I had to get beaten to a pulp through enough suffering and through enough pain and through enough degradation that broke me down to realize that, This is not a physical problem. It's not a human problem. I'm not weak. I'm not crazy. I'm not lacking moral character. I'm not a sinner. This goes beyond materiality. It is in the world of the spirit. I had a cancer of my soul, a soul sickness, a soul sickness. And once that ego and intellect was fired as my guide, it could be replaced by a different guide. Submission to God through these steps. Only when the ego and intellect was dethroned could God rule my life. That's what it took. You know, it took it took basically dying before I could be born again. You know, this is about the raising of the dead here. This is about getting beaten to a pulp to the point of being willing to throw myself at the engagement of this process and having had a spiritual awakening and having been restored to sanity and having been given soundness of mind and being relieved of the obsession and freed from this beast, and finally, after almost 20 years of mayhem, living this life like Bill's story is unfolding here, I could walk this planet free. You know, but it it took all that beating for me. You know, what was going to restore my sanity? According to the big book, it was not going to be any intellect or reason or logic or inner strength or willpower or determination or any other human creation or aid that was out there, although there were many that wanted to help, but none of those was enough. I could not restore my sanity on my own, neither could anybody else. I needed the help of God. A power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. This is not about a temporary respite. This is about salvation. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Leah. Who else Nancy? would like to share?
5: This is Nancy from Massachusetts.
0: Go ahead, Nancy.
5: Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service. I've been listening to this meeting since October, and I've been through the process now and I'm recovered. And um, I'm relating to this paragraph so well because I was locked up twice. I went to a treatment center twice. I thought that was the answer. I I came home with aftercare and uh, relapse recovery information and anything you could imagine, a food plan, how I should eat, and how devastating it was to go back to work after taking a leave of absence and have people see me pick up again and get back to 236 pounds. So I know that since I've uh, developed my relationship with my higher power on a daily basis, and I stay in fit spiritual condition, and I work these steps on a daily basis, that is what has restored me to sanity, and nothing else could have. So I'm very grateful. Um, I got to say, I have to say that I had cancer three times, and that didn't stop me. No matter what, how important anything was, I couldn't stop until I developed this relationship and started working this program. And I've been to a recent retreat with Laurie, and that made me even more aware of the mental obsession, and I really feel secure with my higher power on a daily basis now. And uh, I have been abstinent for 13 years. I have maintained a weight loss of 87 pounds, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is I have peace of mind now, and thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Nancy. Anyone else want to share on this paragraph before we move on?
2: Kim? Okay, Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, all. My name is Kim Jay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I can feel the hopelessness as we read this paragraph, you know. But it was not for the frightful day came when I drank once more. But what was not? The self knowledge. You know, I'm remembering in college, you know, I belonged to a sorority, and we used to have binge and purge parties. We would actually all binge together and then we'd stand in line to throw up and I wasn't good at it my sorority was really good at it and they were all thin I was obese because I, I could binge like them but I couldn't throw up like them and I wanted to I wanted that so badly so when I was in a psychology class and we were able to write a paper on a mental disorder but we had to write it in first person as if we had the disorder I wrote it on bulimia And I have to tell you, my teacher approached me afterwards because I got an A-plus on it. And she said it was amazing how I got into the mind of a bulimic. And little did she know is I didn't write a paper about somebody else. I wrote a paper about what I want to be when I grow up. What I want to be when I grow up. And when I graduated college and I got to the point that they're talking here, I did. I dedicated myself to that bulimia. And I've gotten deeper and deeper and deeper in this disease because self-knowledge, getting an A on a paper and it didn't allow me to understand it. You know, I can read book upon book upon book about riding a bike. But until I get my butt on a bike, am I going to learn to ride a bike? This book isn't about learning it. This book is about doing it. I used to think if I can put the big book under my pillow at night, through osmosis, I would become recovered. But I need to not only read this book, I need to apply it. That's why I call myself a student of the big book. I no longer read the big book, I am a student of the big book. And this whole idea, you know, fell off like a ski jump for anyone who skis. I have never done a ski jump, I'm not a good skier but I've accidentally hit a mobile or a bump and been airborne for a couple of seconds. It's terrifying. There's nothing around you. you. Your arms flail, your skis flail. You're totally out of control. There's nothing you can do. You're just waiting for the time when you fall on the ground and your ski goes this way and your hat goes that way and your gloves go that way. That was what it was like when I picked up. Because you see here, if he had one onefold disease, Bill would have been fined pages ago. He's been separated from alcohol over and over, but because of the the obsession of the mind, every time he picks up, it's getting worse. That's my experience. I would get periods of control. My family would be a little bit happy. They would be less frightened for me. And then that moment would happen when I would pick up the food again and it was like a ski chop. It was like the whole entire world no longer existed. I call it straw vision. I have peripheral vision. I can see everything. But the moment I pick up that food, it's like I'm looking through a straw and the only thing that exists is that food. It becomes most paramount to me. And my behavior becomes more and more desperate. I mean, I got to the point that I scheduled classes in college during mealtime so that I had the excuse not to eat with everybody else because I couldn't eat the way I wanted to eat in front of other people. Going through drive-thru after drive-thru, ordering for fictitious people so I could get more food so I could sit in the parking lot and eat. My mother was in L.A., so I had to be creative with my binging in my parents' house. One of my favorites was just getting muffin mix and putting water in it in the bathroom and eating the muffin mix that way. Putting Ajax on pizza so I'd spoil it and then digging it out of the trash at 2 o'clock in the morning and just rubbing off the Ajax. That is what the disease did every time the ski jump, every time I was more out of control, every time I was more desperate. She would soon have to give me over to the undertaker of the asylum. I didn't know, and I didn't care. I just wanted those voices in my mind to shut up. Please, shut up. And because I didn't know how to shut them up. Before LA, I didn't even know there was an answer. In LA, I thought the answer was the tools. And either way, when I was throwing self-knowledge at it or, or the tools at it, the frightful day, day would come when I would eat once more. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. Um, Marjorie, uh, would you read the next paragraph for us?
11: Good morning, a vision for you. This is Marjorie, recovered compulsive overeater. They did not need to tell me. I knew and almost welcomed the idea It was a devastating blow to my pride. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. Now I was to plunge into the dark, joining the endless procession of thoughts who had gone on before. I thought of my poor wife. There had been much happiness after all. What would I not give to make amends? But that was over now. I want to go back to that first sentence. They did not need to tell me. What was he referring to? That he was going to end up with the undertaker or in the asylum? There's a shift in Bill's attention. He's no longer trying to become the number one man. On Wall Street. He's no longer trying to become the number one person on the golf course. He's no longer trying to become number one. This is an entirely inner experience. His focus is on the inside. And he's an example of what it talks about at the beginning of the chapter more about alcoholism. He is a ex- person who is beginning to fully concede to his innermost self that he was an alcoholic. He's beginning to take step one. There was in me that similar experience, and when he talks about how he welcomed, he almost welcomed the idea. I remember that recognizing that I was going to go for the rest of my life, however long it happened to be, and I was in my 20s and 30s when this happened, that I was going to go on in this miserable, gray kind of existence with my weight going up and down, getting a little bit higher each time, being obese, being less obese, but having a mood that was constantly gray and that was going to be the rest of my life. And there was a certain comfort in that. It was just a peacefulness. It's like, okay, I know what's around the corner. I always knew what was going to happen from my compulsive overeating. And of course, the the uh the giggle is that now that I'm no longer compulsively overeating and I have this way of life, I don't know what's going to happen. So there was a there was a a wonderful kind of mm, comfort in knowing what was going to happen, which fed into my, well, I'm going to keep on doing this. Even if I had recognized this at the time that I was compulsively overeating, before recovery, it wouldn't have mattered. It would have been an interesting insight. It would have been something to take to the psychiatrist's couch It would have been something to write articles about for the journals. But it wasn't going to give me any recovery. I didn't have that sense of pride that he had. I didn't believe myself capable of surmounting obstacles. I just knew that I was cornered. And I didn't feel like I was going to join an endless procession of thoughts. I was totally, totally, totally alone. And I had been around OA long enough to know that in terms of other people, I really wasn't alone. And in terms of God, I really wasn't alone. But the feeling of being alone in that deep, dark dungeon just blotted out everything else. And then like Bill where he talks about there had been much happiness after all and and feelings about his poor wife, yeah, I had regrets, I had remorse, I had that self pity I had that 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 martyrism, not martyrdom, but martyrism, kind of an attitude, oh well, I guess this is just the way it is, and tisk tisk um and then at the very end, he says, "But that was over now."
7: Mm-hmm.
11: And little did I know that for me, I was reaching that point where it was over. And I say now, thank God, thanks to this program of recovery, and thanks for listening to me. I passed.
0: Thank you, Marjorie. Who else would like to share on this paragraph?
12: This is Beverly. Yeah.
0: Okay, here, Bella and Penny C., is there anyone else? Okay, Bella, go ahead. Sharon. Oh, and Sharon. Okay. So Bella, then Penny C., then Sharon.
12: Go ahead, Bella. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Kathy, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Wow, um i feel so related to this paragraph self knowledge and now it was a devastating blow to my pride yes and for me i can continue the control yes my pride is and my self knowledge is to have control i want to control my life i want to control my Way of eating. I want to control how I will live my happy life with my husband, my happy life with my parents, my happy life. I want to control and I have to control and I have the control. Wow, it's so painful to realize that no, I don't. I don't have the control. And every time that I think I have, I just go down more and more. And thank God, thank God it's a miracle that now I am in the program and I know, no, I don't have the control. And I know another thing too. I know that God has the control and God is my loving father, my loving partner. And yes, I want to to and to admit I don't have the control and I am willing to give over my life to the care of God because it's it's a waste of time and ne- energy for something that I will not have and I will never have and it's, it's painful to go back to this to this situation to that picture it's painful, it's too much painful and I am so thankful for this, that now I know the answer. It's not my self-knowledge, and my pride now is to accept and admit that I don't have the control, and I want, I am willing to give over my life to the care of God, because this is a loving care, a respectful care, not a judging and blaming. And I am so thankful that I found the the solution for me. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Bella. Um, Penny and sharing, we only have about three minutes, so if you can share that time, that would be great. Go ahead, Penny
13: yeah, okay, I'll just take a minute because all I wanted to say is how this paragraph, when I first read it, when I first came, you know, it just seemed like overly dramatic. But, of course, I could see how this would apply to an alcoholic, but not to me, a compulsive overeater. I mean, you know, putting me in an asylum or calling the undertaker. Come on. And as I've recovered and as I've been able to be, be honest with myself and realize what I did with food And the one thing that has really made this so that I no longer compare, I identify, is I sat in the rooms with a woman who I watched lose over 100 pounds. And and she stayed around for a while and then decided that, I, well, I don't know, she just didn't come back for a while. And when I saw her again, years later, she had regained that and more and sat and cried and said, the doctor said, if I don't stop eating, I'm going to die, and cried through the whole meeting. And three weeks later, she did die. So this is a serious disease, and I can't take it lightly. I can't compare it with with any other any other addiction compulsive overeating is potentially fatal it is fatal in many cases with that i pass
0: thank
1: you penny and sharon sharon press star
7: 1
1: sorry
7: i um I thought I had gotten to this point over and over and over again, but I was really in compliance, not in surrender. I was willing to do one more little thing. I was willing to use one more tool, but I hadn't gotten to the point where I had really admitted that I could not do it and I couldn't control, and it wasn't until I completely surrendered that I got to this point and the freedom was there. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sharon. So it's now time for us to close. Thank you, everyone, uh, who's here and who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, would you read a vision for you? Uh, Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
2: And.